many generations ago it was born and been brewing ever since deep within the mountain to be brought to you today as Drap it under plastic. The podcast for the Mitch Howie enthusiast. That was pretty awesome. That that was so anticlimactic. I know. Like I expected to have like a Conan scene to go, and then then there was just like a a Norwegian. <laughs> Standing on a hill. That was my best uh, Squidmar interpretation. That's how he talks, right? Yeah, that's exactly how he talks. Yeah, yeah. That Greetings, was cool. ML. That was your best in a world <laughs> voice. I like that. All right. Again. Hold on. Did I, is this the same? No, there's another crazy fever dream story here yeah. in the preamble ramble. Yeah, there is. You got to stop dreaming, man. All right. And, and when I say fever dream, I mean an actual fever dream. You had a fever. Yeah. So... On a, we're recording this on Friday, but on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday, two days ago, okay, <laughs> I got my I got my second COVID vaccination. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so overnight, you know, side effects may vary. Blah blah blah. Overnight, I was fine. Um, Wednesday after the shot, and then I must have had a fever overnight because I woke up in the middle of the night, just like cold as ice. Mm. And so Willing I grabbed sacrifice? All, pulled, <laughs> yeah, your love. And then <laughs> I, I I pulled all the covers up, and then later. I woke up again, just freezing cold. Had to kick them all off. Okay. And so when you get a fever like that, and there's only one prescription, uh, as more cowbell, but <laughs> it sucks somehow. It like it sucks up all your body juices. Yeah. And it makes you super dehydrated. Yeah. You just turn into a desiccated husk of a human being. Yeah, I was just like a riddled corpse you, in you're, bed. You're like SpongeBob, and you're just like what? <laughs> But not in the ocean, because then he would he would be hydrated. Yeah, he'd be fine. Yeah. Well, that was when he was inside Sandy's bubble. Which, right. There is no water. Yeah, there's no water in the bubble for All that right. squirrel. SpongeBob lore aside. <laughs> um, so then I must have had this dream when I was dehydrated, because when I get dehydrated, I get cramps in my calves and in the arch of my feet. Okay. Like the nastiest, like your whole foot like feels like it's curling in on itself, like a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, ha I was having this dream that I was in a UFC fight and somebody had me in a in like a toehold and they were cranking on my foot. <laughs> and I was like, ah, ah. But I wasn't tapping. No. I was, trying to, I was trying to weasel my way out of this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I like wake up to Your terrible, wife. terrible cramps. Okay. Your wife is just like got you in a fucking suplex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she's just cranking on my foot and ankle. <laughs> Um, and all, it was a massive cramp in my foot. And I'm like, oh, good. I'm not in a fight. But this hurts terribly. <laughs> so that's my fever dream. But yet, then yesterday, uh, I, was, I felt like I was hungover all day. Yeah. Um, and today, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm good. That's cool. interesting. I also got my vaccination, the Johnson & Johnson one, the literal day before it was pulled. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and... Like the day I was fine, and then at night I had a very similar reaction. I was incredibly cold, mm -hmm. went to sleep, like in full clothes and mm -hmm. like lots of blankets. Woke up just absolutely sweating, and then the whole next day I felt like crap and just watched Castlevania the the whole day. Oh yeah! But you and I are both vaccinated now. Yeah. High five! Very cool. Okay, fever dreams. Fever dream done. You have any? Do you have any preamble ramble for us? Uh, because I got more. No, no, you you, you take. Did you I, mean, watch, I can I can add on. Did you watch Training Day? I didn't. God damn it! Scott. I'm sorry. That's your homework. What did I watch? I watched something. You I watched Excalibur. I watched Excalibur, and I watched 
I took a picture of it and sent it to you. Our role models, because I know yeah, you, <laughs> like that, you like that movie. The movie's fucking great. It is great. <laughs> Isn't it fucking great? Yeah, I love it. I love that movie. All, All right. right. All right. I got I got a couple I got a couple more. And we're okay. gonna end with the with the pinnacle of this mountain. But the the next preamble ramble topic. Is the pinnacle the one that's listed last? Yes. Okay. That's the pinnacle, really? Okay. Yeah, this is it. I I'm gonna get salty. <laughs> Sorry, in advance. <laughs> um, so I've been going through this weird thing with Curse City. You got a Curse City. I got a Curse City. I got a Curse City. Most people didn't get a Curse well, City. I mean, I don't know. I just saw a picture on Facebook of this. Uh, shop in the UK where they have a stack as tall as a person still in stock. Oh, okay. You could still get it out there. You might have to be a little bit creative and, and all that. And we'll talk about all that in the news around the baby mama drama around Curse City. <laughs> but this is the first time in my life where I've gotten a game and I want to play the game right away. And I'm just like, I got to put all these models together. I want them just put together so i can play yeah yeah you're looking for that cool many or not experience yeah i am that said it's uh, they're beautiful and they're really fun to put together yeah they really did the push fit really pretty well in the when i talk about something new i did it's kind of a revelation i have with assembly mm. but um just i love the little rat swarms dude little rat swarms coolest things ever bat swarms rat swarms bat swarms also cool just the the like having a complete rat swarm and looking at it, like the way they had them all like move in a wave and stuff, it's it's super cool. That is cool. But I haven't put together. I only put together like the main characters and the main villains. I haven't put together any of the chaff. See, I'm I'm making myself do a bit of like reward myself. Mm-hmm. So I did all the heroes first, and first of all, when they showed them all off, it was like half of them I'm like sweet, half of them I'm like eh. But when I built him, I'm like, even that dumbass Cadron Overlord dude is kind of sweet. I'm like, wow, this is way cooler than like I thought he was going to be. All the heroes, maybe it's that that like bone colored plastic that they use just makes them look cooler. Yeah, people were like, is that plastic? Because they thought it might be resin because that color was just a little bit different than the normal gray. Yeah, it's it's lighter and it's got a little bit of a, a, a beige tone to it. It is plastic, if you're curious. It is plastic. So I did all those first. Um, and then I'm like, well, I'm going to do like a sprue of all of the regular bad guy models. And then I'm going to like do a hero as I'm going through Nice. reward myself. Okay. So I, you know, when you're, when you're building models, like when you have like one or two, I can just like, it's it's so relaxing. It's fun. You take your time. Mm -hmm. You make sure there's, you get all the little mold lines when you're like tasked with a big pile of stuff. Suddenly you're just like. The things that you found relaxing before, at least for me, are now suddenly like monotonous and labor intensive and time intensive. And I'm like, I just want to play, but I can't not clean them at least reasonably well. Yeah. You know? So my daughter is just on my ass about playing this game. That's so cool, dude. She punched everything. Okay. So I'm over there assembling the, the heroes the day I got it. And she's over on the carpet punching out all the stuff putting everything in the right the right bags looking through all the cards and she's like i think i'm gonna play this one and this one and you are gonna play this one and this one i don't get to choose she's like no (laughs) that's awesome so she's that's her favorite by far is the wood elf yeah she loves sneaky archers Mm -hmm. she wants to sneak around and shoot you from behind when you don't see it coming Mm -hmm. so i'm like i appreciate that so she's like you have to be the big ogre so you protect me okay. so I can shoot everything. Okay. Like, okay. So that's, that's what you're doing? Sound strategy. Okay. Strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, the, you get the tank and the spank. It's yeah. Like easy. You know, I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what's your experience been like with building these 
these thingies. I would love to talk about that. <laughs> I bought the box. I was super hyped about it. And I was cramming in whatever amount of hobby time I could get to get the models assembled. So like Amber was reading a book upstairs and I brought all my hobby stuff upstairs and assembled models next to her, which I don't, I never really do that. Um, and I was really just finding any time I could to put them all together. So I was really enthusiastic about it. Um, but I haven't put together any since cause I started painting them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited. I am so excited that I really want to play. I don't have a little minion that I can play yeah. infinite games with, Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, Amber, you can play with Crusher and Bullet. Yeah, Amber is just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I messaged all my friends uh, that I grew up with, and I was like, well, not, like, not all of them, but three of them, and I was like, what's your favorite character out of the bunch? And I didn't say why, um, but I want to paint them, like four characters. I have mine painted, mm-hmm. and then I have the next one on deck, and then I have two more that I want to paint, uh, and I want to have them over for like an extended weekend where we try to run through the whole game in a weekend i think it's possible is it possible um so yeah i'm painting those up i'll be doing that on probably the live streams oh, um yeah it's a I great thing probably, to paint on live stream too yeah i should probably be able to finish a character like every two streams I think I, that's I'm, a good i'm not gonna paint like i painted this guy or gal sorry um that took a little bit longer but that's my character so <laughs> got to look better it was four videos <laughs> yeah so, yeah so what are uh, the other two so you got this dude who is one of my favorites glario van elton the third i believe his name is yeah uh i have another buddy who likes the witch hunter of course yeah it's that a, one's sick it's a great one to paint too yeah it is um and the last one is the guy with the super long beard and it's funny you wow. mentioned the push fit because the push fit on that guy's back was terrible yeah all, it's this fucking weird ass geometry yeah i got it all filled up and sanded nicely but it was like yeah it was kind of a pain to do yeah mine's beard was snapped yeah mine too at the very bottom yep yeah so it's that's a total engineering faux pas the whole sprue is say i don't know from the lowest if you put it on the table and you would put a you know tape measure to it it's like three quarters of an inch tall except for one section where there's a support bit that goes up another like half an inch higher than everything else and that's what his loopy beard connects to so and it's when, thick yeah it's a thick support it's a thick support and then so when they put that stuff in the box that's the one lone piece that is gathering all of the any of the weight from above is all hitting that spot i would guess probably 50 percent of people's boxes have a snap beard yeah it was it was kind of my fault i didn't see it coming and then i like did a clip and then i just it just popped right off and i was clipping a unrelated spruce support like next to him um but yeah it, it is kind of weak yeah my why i just opened my box and see the whole thing was just snapped like that i'm like oh man yeah oh well and then i got so i was doing that was making some good headway on putting all those models together and then last weekend cursed not cursed city uh the vampire the underworld underworld warbands came out so i immediately like clear the deck (laughs) get out of here i got new vampires in here and put all those together have you put yours together yet no i haven't so the video camera day that i made is called i think the first wood elf in seven years that Mm -hmm. gw has made if i can remember correctly i think the last vampire that gw made was the mortarks yeah, it was, did the Mortarks come out before? They were after the Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon. Yeah, because, oh, I don't know. I think I think they were. They came out during Warhammer Fantasy End of Times. Yeah. So they are actually older than Age of Sigmar is. Mm. These would be the first vampires that you can technically play in Age of Sigmar that came out. 
um, because they are Underworlds models, but they always have AOS stats, right? Yeah. 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 So I don't know how many years it's been since. How, how, how old is AOS? Uh, it's not more than seven years. No, it's like five it's years old. Yeah. So this is the years. first vampire that have come out physically in five years. I'm very hyped. I might make a similar video titled in a very similar way. Ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But one last thing about Cursed City. So I've played Blackstone Fortress pretty extensively. And the, the, the story of that game is that every adventurer or explorer or hero has a ship they go up into outer space. Mm-hmm. And then the team makes an expedition down into the Blackstone Fortress to find things. You go on X number of missions. And then at the end of your gaming session, you go back up into your spaceships. Yeah. You can sell stuff. You can buy items. You can heal up. Things like that. I read the story very briefly for Curse City, and uh, it's very strangely uh, similar. Yeah, it's uh, the Arconaut. Yeah, they go, go up in the Arconaut spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's fantasy spaceship. It's totally different. It's like, couldn't you have made it like a camp or something? Right. Like, uh, it was just so funny how similar the flow of the game is. Um, I haven't actually read the full rules yet, but just reading that part, I kind of laughed a little bit. Yeah, I when you were talking about the, I didn't know that that's how it worked in Blackstone Fortress. So yeah. as you're explaining that just now, I'm like. Oh no, <laughs> that's awesome. the same thing. Because I see people online are like, like kid bashing building their own Arcanaut. Oh, like thematically for, for Curse for City? City. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm like, that's a brilliant idea, dude. You know, you know what previous sponsor could work for a battleship? Battleship, an air battleship, a Zeppelin thing. Oh yeah, skies of sorting. Sorting. <laughs> we have your own Argonaut ready to print. Wait, don't they also? Doesn't GW make like an Argonaut? Yeah, it's. A, I mean, they have the Cadron Overlord ships. Yeah, that it's a, apparently according to the lore, <laughs> it's a modified <laughs> version of one of those ships. Like okay. It's own, oh, okay. it's like you know the Black Pearl. All right. Yeah. Isn't that the name of the ship in? Pirates of the Caribbean? Of the Caribbean? Absolutely it okay. is. Okay. I thought so, but then they're at a moment of, oh, no, that's not the name. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like um, their own black pearl modification. It's like a special one almost. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, even if the kit does exist, I totally encourage scratch building the whole thing. That'd be yeah. so freaking cool. Yeah. I, dude, I, 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 my kit bash video did way better than i had expected it to do so i should probably just do that and have another good video just oh scratch build something yeah i think there's yeah there's like a it's like a, there's like a spectrum in the conversion world like at the at the end of the easy mode you have head swaps right yeah and then in the middle you have what you did and at the end you have taking styrene and balsa wood and making a model God, no. from it okay i'm not doing that do that <laughs> it'd be so cool uh i have a video in my video list ideas where it's scratch build a rhino I feel like that is a little bit easier because it's got a box. Yes. Whereas the ship has like curves to it and that can get a little Ooh. tricky. I'm sure that there's like a Luke Tone video out there on, on how to like form fit. Like how they actually make boats is they get the, I mean, old timey boats. They get the wood soggy. Mm, yep. And then they, they bend it around a frame where it's then held in place and then it dries out and keeps that form and mm-hmm. they all put it together. Yeah. So I have to do that just tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can heat up styrene and bend it, but the tricky part is evenly heating it up so it all bends the same. Whenever I try to do it, I always get like these weird like peaks instead of oh, nice curves. Like, yeah, where it was the... You know, there's always a weak link in the chain mm-hmm. wherever he did the most. It kind of just wobbles. Yeah. You could also do what I think Jeremy did in a video. He had this uh, thermo uh, fitting heating machine. Mm-hmm. 
I know it has a name. I can't remember what it is, but it's basically you have a sheet of styrene. Oh, it's a vacuum former. Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It down. So you could like sculpt like half of the side of a ship, right? And then <laughs> suck it down on there and then cut out what you need. There's your curve for your boat. Oh, you do yeah. that for the sails too. Oh, yeah. Shit, I want to get a heat former now. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to buy some more stuff I guess, <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> Just for one ship. And then it sits and collects dust in the corner forever. Yeah, yeah. Like every other big thing we buy. Yes. All right. I got one more thing to talk about in this preamble no. ramble. Dude, can we just skip this one? <laughs> nope. All right. Nope, because I told them I'm not going to skip this one. Okay. And so they've been forewarned. You actually told them? Yes. You said I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. Yep. Okay. So usually we like to talk about fun things, goofing around. Yeah, yeah. So, you, know, you know, but I, I, I'm pissed. Uh, legitimately pissed. I've had probably the worst customer experience, customer service experience in my life recently. Yeah, it's such a, such a shame. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about it. So I ordered a bunch of stuff for my ceiling rig for about, I don't know, about $400 worth of stuff. Most of it for my ceiling rig for uh, my studio at home that I'm going to put in from B&H Photo and Video. Uh, it took a couple weeks to arrive. No big deal. I open the package and it's missing four items. I double check the receipt that's on the, you know, the, where they kind of put it in there in that little plastic enclosure. Open that up, pull out the sheet and it says one package and it lists all the items. Those four items were listed. They were not in the box. So what do I do? I immediately email or customer service, give them my number uh, explain the situation and i get an automated response saying that they are closed for passover for nine straight days um email us back after passover yeah, if anyone doesn't know bnh is like a jewish company yeah so they observe passover for a full whatever yeah. which is fine I, yeah. that's 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 going to come into play later yeah. in this story. Uh, that isn't the point. Yeah, But yeah. that isn't the point. But I just want you to know that I emailed them with all the details the day I received the package. Yeah. So here's my first issue with this company. If I send an email to your customer service inbox when you are closed for that period of time, don't make me fucking email you again. You got my email. That's yeah. how email works. Yeah. Don't say... This automatically goes to garbage bin and you've got to go and email us again. Yeah. No, when you open back up, maybe you just check your inbox because that's what every human being on the face of the earth does when they go on vacation and come back. They don't say, screw you, you have to email me again when I come back. Okay, that's my first problem. I ended up emailing them again, not knowing exactly. I forgot exactly what day they were opening again. So I emailed them again and I got the same email, which made me more irate, but that's not their fault. I emailed them twice. I emailed them a third time once they're open again, saying just copy pasting my original message. And to, to speed up this story, I end up going back and forth six different times with them, each time with a different customer service agent, because you cannot email the person you've been dealing with back. When you hit a reply to their emails, it just goes to cs at bhphotoandvideo.com. Yeah. And every time it's a different person. And they said, well, look into it, blah, blah, blah. The guy asked me, did you take a picture of everything? 
Was there any damage on the box? I'm like, there was no damage on the box. You're telling me I should take a picture of the box before I open the box, just in case in this situation. Um, if I took, a, I'm like, also, also, if you would have told me this nine days ago when I received this and first emailed you, I could have sent you pictures of the box because I hadn't recycled it yet. Now, almost two weeks has gone by. The box is gone. I'm like, there was no sign of any damage on the box. There's no sign of tampering. I was the one that opened the box. It said one of one. These four items were not in there. He's like, okay, well, um, you need, you should have sent, you should have sent pictures of the box. It wouldn't have made a difference. I'm like, I could have taken the four items out of the box and taken a picture, you dumb shit. Like, yeah. there's nothing that that proves. There's just kind of like grasping at straws of, we don't believe you. And let me also say that this isn't the first time I've ordered from them. And I've spent... I don't know, more than a thousand dollars with them. And I, this is 400 some bucks in these items. It was four clamps that were 20 bucks a piece. <sighs> if I am going to try to pull one over on you, I'm going to order a $1,500 camera and then do this. I'm not doing this here. And so I said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go check your videotape of your warehouse and see if you can find where this happened. Okay? And I also want you to check your inventory at your warehouse to see if there's discrepancies there. Because if you're putting it on me, then I'm going to put it back on you. Prove to me that whatever, that that it's, you know, you guys did your part, which they didn't. They just didn't. Six times I, I say I go through this, each time with a different person, I have to retell the story, even though it's a full email chain, apparently. And um, finally, a week goes by after number five. And I'm like, can you give me an update on this? It's been a week. What's the situation? And the guy says, well, after reviewing your case, we have determined that we're not going to do anything. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, can you, I'm going to, so in my response to that, when I said, I, can you please forward this to managers, to management, to leadership, to supervisors, whoever you feel needs to see the following message. And I ripped them a new asshole. And I said, this is so ridiculous that this is where you are going to draw your line in the sand on somebody who you can see through my account has spent a lot of money with you and that I just want the things I paid for. If this is where you feel like you're going you're gonna to show that you're going to get me on this, this is not the right time to do it. I also mentioned that I was going to talk to other people about it. Other people that buy a lot of cameras, buy a lot of gear. Other content creators are goody peepees in the audience and say, don't fucking buy from this company. They were shitholes to me and they did nothing but degrade me in every single email. Then when I sent that email to them, a new customer service dude emails me back and says, if you want to talk to supervisors, you can email them at this email. He did not forward anything. He did not do the bare minimum of just my boss is Greg. I'm going to send this shit to Greg. You know, maybe Greg can help. He didn't do that. He put it back on me that I have to do it. So I copy pasted the email I sent. I put a new little forward to it to address the supervisor group. And I sent it off. I got an, I got an email notification right afterwards that that email address does not exist. The wow. email the guy told me to send it to isn't a real email at their company. So... 
Yesterday afternoon, I just sent Jack Hole another email, and I'm not blaming the individual people that are the customer service agents. They don't set set this up where how they're dealing with stuff. The the system behind the scenes is what's to blame. None of them were particularly nice. They weren't nice, but they they I could tell they were doing what they were told is their protocol. I'm not mad at at Jerry and Susie and everybody else that I dealt with there. But then yesterday afternoon, I have to email the person back again and say, the email you sent me isn't a real email. Can you please send me the right email? So at this point, I'm I'm close to a dozen emails that I've sent to this company going back to over you know a month and a half at this point. And I know it's not going to do anything, but I'm not buying from them ever again. This whole experience was absolutely ridiculous. And I just cannot understand in today's day and age where we have so many options at our fingertips of where we spend our hard-earned money <coughs> that this company would say, we don't care that you never shop with us again. And I said in my response to them, I it shouldn't matter. And this is why I've never said a peep up to this point in this email chain of the fact that I have I have a small, understandably small, but I have a platform. I never wanted to say that. If any of our goody peepees was going to order a new camera to take pictures of their minis and some shit went wrong, they shouldn't have to pull the I'm going to tell everybody card. So I never did until the point where it's like, I don't want your shit. Don't send me it now. You could save it. But I'm going to tell everybody that this was ridiculous. And we've all had crappy customer service experiences in our lives. And so, because this one's related to the miniature hobby, I can talk about it today. Yeah. I have I have never bought something from a company that I can remember and not received it. That's never happened. Any company in the world. Yeah. I, I, I think, Maybe it was like a small thing, but yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. And it was just a, I don't know. I'm just like, this sucks. You took my money. I ordered these things the things never came i don't in this situation put yourselves in the shoes of me or you that this is exactly what happened i'm not trying to pull a fast one this is legitimately what happened there is seriously nothing i could have done to actually have received those items from them based on how they went about this yeah there was no proof that i could have given what proof is there if i don't have the thing i don't know what to tell you at some point, you just say, if this if this is not worth it for our company long term to just say, we, we, there was a human error. Human error in the, in the warehouse. That happens. Yeah. We're humans. And it's 80 bucks worth of clamps, which yeah. to them is like what? Like $30 in materials, $40 in materials. And you just send it. And then, hey, the same guy, you put a ticket in this guy's account saying this happened. Okay. Yep. Uh, three months again. later, you do it again. Okay, this guy's getting a little shady. Now we're right. going to start to believe him a little bit less. You don't just f- flat out say, fuck off. Right. I and understand. That, and it, it, it was that they said it so many times in, in uh, basically the same way to keep saying, we we don't believe you. You don't have any proof. I'm like, what proof What I have? And they kept going back to the fact that I didn't have photos of the box. That was the thing they're telling me. And I'm like, look. That is BS. If I showed you a picture of the open box with those items missing, you're telling me that would be proof? Because that means nothing. It means nothing. I could have opened the box and taken those out and showed you the box. Mm-hmm. It's no proof. They were just trying to have put the burden of proof on me. And there's no proof because there's nothing lost. So, Well, if you or any of the goody peepees are looking for an alternative camera gear website recommendation, aside from Amazon, which is definitely an option, 
um, Adorama is a, a great competitor and alternative to B&H. Okay, good. I'm going to do that from now on. Go for it. Yeah, that, uh, that would definitely be good. There's also a couple sites that do exclusively audio gear. Like, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, I know that they're not the only fish in the ocean. Yeah. Or astronaut in the ocean. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, and I double checked after just getting heated yesterday. Went and checked on Amazon, and these clamps were the exact same price on Amazon. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, you're going through us because you have big savings for a, a unique product. No, you don't make shit. All you do is you're a reseller for other companies that make shit, right? Yeah. They also do free shipping on orders over a certain amount, which is nice. And sometimes the products are cheaper on B&H. You need to check. It's certain ones. They have sales yep. that are nice. It's the same reason you chop literally anywhere. Right. Um, that like They have sales for certain items that other sites don't at certain times. Yep. Um, to to contradict this, to sh- to show a good customer service experience, my wife recently got a new band for her Apple Watch from just a company that makes bands. Okay, she got it, and within a couple of days, it broke. And so she emailed and say, "Hey, the, it broke. I really like the design. Um, here's a picture of the broken thing." And they sent her two new ones, one the exact design she wanted, and they didn't even tell her they sent her another one with a separate design. And they also said to her, we're sorry that this, that you had to go through this experience. Here's a list of of charities. Please pick which one resonates with you and we'll make a donation in your name. Wow. Yeah, they donated 50 bucks to the World Wildlife Federation in her name because she had this experience for like, a $12 wristband. Damn. That's the flip side of this coin. You don't need to go that far, but you just need to understand that, that your customers have mouths and will talk. And in our digital day and age, it's even more dangerous to your company to not with not hold up your end of the bargain that you are a reputable company that people will gain some loyalty to. Yeah. You have so many options now where you buy stuff. So if you can't go out of your way to try to get brand loyalty to what you do, someone's going to overtake you and this this sucks okay i'm done Whew. i'm gonna take a breath we're gonna throw this in a in a basket and i'm not gonna worry about it ever again never shall you utter the letters b and h yeah because they could suck my b and h <laughs> which means butthole <laughs> oh nice <laughs> suck my hole uh all right let's talk about things we painted Woo! Woo! Oh, i didn't bring my skeleton today that's the one thing i forgot skeleton skeleton Skeleton? Oh, ske- skeleton. Mm-hmm. I was like, is that like a tauntaun, but like the skeleton version of it? No, let's, it's let's, a skeleton. Let's break first, though. Let's break up all the John talk with the Scott talk, because I talked a whole lot there. That's so okay. You, you talk about what you painted, which was way more than what I painted. Okay. <laughs> um, I painted Clathis. Such a miserable fucking name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I feel like I say a lot of mean things about GW stuff when I know there are, are real, real people who made these decisions, and I feel bad sometimes. I don't like the name. That's fine. The model's fucking awesome. Painted that. Fan of that. Uh, on a live stream, I started to paint Glorio Van Elton the Third. The Third. Uh, a much better name. No, I'm just, it's kind of funny. I love Van Elton the Third. I know. So I don't know so, about Glorio. It's so extra. Uh, apparently, I was wrong. I thought this guy was Cathay or uh, Arabe, uh, Arabi. I don't know how you pronounce it, uh, but he's actually Kislevite. Uh, which oh. these are all countries from Warhammer Fantasy, if you're familiar. Uh, started painting him, got the skin done, and started to work on the glorious red jacket. Uh, being inspired by Excalibur, Mordred had an armor set that was fully gold. Yeah. 
So I'm making this guy's armor set fully gold. I went to Michigan Toy Soldier and bought some Vallejo Metal Color Gold because it's in stock. Oh, it's in stock again. Yeah, I bought that and also Steel, which is the dark one uh, that I think Vince likes a lot. I can't remember. Um, so yeah, excited about that. I'm going to paint him. Um, I also had a little hobby night with my friends who I'm doing the Kill Team uh, experiment slash video with. And I didn't paint that much. I just painted all of their cloth with a cream color and it was a little bit more difficult than I expected because well I mean I kind of expected it but all the glossiness was hard to paint on top of um but it yeah took a, did it take a few more coats it took three coats total but I got the six battle sisters painted up at least oh, sorry the, the cloth was base coated now I'm trying to decide if I want to do an acrylic wash or an oil wash um to to give it detail I think I a burnt umber oil wash over yeah top of that would be hot yeah 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 um so yeah pull most of it off yes the one thing about oil washes that i'm just a little bit concerned about is that sometimes they look a little dirty oh you don't want them to look dirty no i kind of want to look smooth and lovely smooth so i don't know what to do Mm. i would mm, what i would do is i would go with a thicker oil wash because when you say it gets dirty is the more you thin it down Mm -hmm. the more it, it kind of breaks down and there there becomes a natural almost texture to it yeah and if you go thicker i mean it's you're gonna your butthole's gonna pucker at first because it's gonna like <laughs> you cover the whole thing in dark brown <laughs> um but then as you peel that off and then do the um the the two-prong technique where you have the mineral spirits on one side of the brush and none on the other yeah um you can create the nice smooth feather it's just gonna be a a, a stark color when it's in the deepest recess recesses yeah no you're right uh i did do that Payne's gray wash on my zombie dragon flesh tone and i was very happy with that that turned out really good yeah it and, and actually i don't know why but it went super matte whereas the black went really glossy that oil wash that i did do you know why that is um there yeah there is i don't know exactly but i, I the reading that i have done is that different pigments um were how they need to create the the, the chemical balance where they're suspended has to the the ratios are different okay and because of that there's different finishes on different colors and it's all based on what the pigment is and it's kind of trial and error i don't know if there's any resource out there that will tell you like a sliding scale okay which would be cool to know yeah um but yeah that's the reason why they're not all uniformly that way and that's one thing that abtilung says is that their pigments um which are made for miniatures for in their miniature painting oils are formulated to be more uniformly somewhere between matte and satin okay so so they, they've, they've thought of that yeah okay so all right so um, that's what you painted yeah one last thing about the the elf i said it in the video and oftentimes i say things in videos i don't fully like believe i just say it to sound like happy because <laughs> i can't be such a miserable sob all the time yeah. but i really do believe that uh i'm i'm to believe i'm really happy with that paint job um i really like what it looks like i like sent that model to a bunch of people when i finished painting it because i was really excited with the outcome i like the snow base i think it works with the character a lot and i'm excited to give them all snow bases now um but i really like that paint job yeah and i haven't liked the paint up that much i can't remember how long in a long time it's super crisp it's Thank super you. scott this is totally what does that mean it's like if you put 50 of these painted next to each other by all different people around the world 
I would pick this as yours. I'm like 90% sure I would pick the right one. Because it's totally... I don't even know. Like, I can't put into words exactly why this is yours. We did that in a podcast episode one yeah. time where we both looked at each other's painting works and then told the other person what their style was. Yeah. That was actually super therapeutic, by the way. If you have like a buddy and you feel like, I'm not special, I don't have a style, I, I can almost guarantee you do. And so if you get like a buddy and you kind of like do that thing, it's actually really, it's really nice. Yeah. Super. And the, the color scheme worked really well. You yeah. have a nice balance between dark and light. Yes. Lay it on me, buddy. <laughs> uh, it looks like you only used green, though. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow it works. Like, it's not boring. Like, that's the fear of using, um, you know, different hues of the same, you know, color is it could get boring. But you I can tell you, you put thought into um, switching it up. Yeah. The green antler, the green in the shadow of the antlers was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, that's when I knew I was like, okay, I'm on, a, I'm on a roll right now. I'm just rolling this. It's almost like you used a mother color. Mother color. Whenever someone says that, I just think of mother lover. Yeah. Every mother's day deserves a mother's night. If doing it is wrong, I don't want to be right. All right, what'd you think? <laughs> well, uh, on uh, last Fortnite stream, I painted up a skeleton real quick in about two and a half hours. One of the sepulchral guard skeletons at that point curse city was not yet out so i wanted to i want to i want to you know get my muscles nice and limber for painting some undead Mm -hmm. not with any particular scheme i wasn't trying to paint a skeleton as like a this is a version that i'm going to replicate amongst all the other skeletons i didn't want to do that i was like i want to play with some fun with colors on what's usually a pretty i don't know a, a boring beigey beige kind of a model which is a skeleton and did you do a whitewash on that no no i was full acrylic so just chimera just threw a bunch of chimera paints on there and mixy mixy mixed them around <laughs> and uh and just went with that i had there's like a weird blue tone coming from some areas <coughs> a coffin and then there's like a weird magenta coming from some other areas i don't think that it particularly worked um it was an experiment <laughs> it was an experiment it was like fun. i don't think it needed both okay right, is what i would have learned okay because both were pri- pretty saturated bold tones and basically the rest of the model was mostly painted like you'd, how you'd paint a skeleton. So how these interesting colors kind of just come out, trying to do a little Crafts World Studios, mm, you know, yeah. a little bit to that. Yeah. Um, oh, I'd be scared to do that. Like yeah. they have such a, they have such a look. Yes. It's so striking. What is crazy is that I can never tell which of them, which are their partners, yeah. that which of them painted which. Yeah. Because they're so, I'm guessing like they live together, they're in the same room painting together. Like it probably just like naturally seeps into each other's work of like. Yeah, it's like you got that paint out, give me that paint. And then like, yeah. yeah, they use it. I tried this. Look how this cool, this pink goes in here and fades to like a random color that has nothing to do with pink and it still works. Yeah. And so there's just probably constant conversation. Um, so yeah, I learned that. I think if I were to do it again, I would still have two odd colors but maybe like I really like that the magenta worked, but the blue maybe not such a saturated color, and maybe something that is more complementary to the magenta. Mm-hmm. You know, I okay. think might have worked a little bit better. Okay. Uh, in the world of hobby families that paint the same, Michael Pasarsky and his brother, they oh. it, it's like the same painting. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like his brother paints like Michael paints. Like five years ago, like in terms of like the subject matter he's picking, it's like a Space Marines and GW stuff. Like I think Michael is kind of like doing like box arts for like large display companies now. Yep. Um, but yeah, they they paint in a very similar way, um, which is fun to see. 
And the other thing I worked on, I got started in, in betwixt my assembly of miniatures, um, is that I got this guy who's going to be my character for D&D, my necromancer I talked about in the last episode, um, all ready to go. And so I tried something a little bit different with this, and I just I primed in black, and then I went over the whole thing with an indigo ink. Um, and so that thing, all, all the shadows in there are not just pure black. I wanted all the shadows to still be dark, but they just have an interesting kind of tonality to them. And then I went with a kind of a beige uh, zenithal from above instead of white. So it, it has a little bit more ambiance. And this way, as <gasps> ambiance. ambiance. And that's what I'm going to build up on over the cloak because it's also um, that color is was what I'm going to build up to my midtone and highlights with. Um, and then I had to hit the whole thing with a matte varnish after because that ink was had some some real shiny parts to it so it kind of pulled it together a little bit more and actually dulled out the indigo color because indigo is a very pretty very dark purplish blue yeah and so it it kind of took the the color saturation away a little bit with uh, the matte varnish so i think you got a very striking zenithal highlight with your airbrush i feel like whenever i do it Maybe I just like kind of like rotate around the model a little bit too much, but you have like, like a, this paint job or this color combination you have here, you could consider various parts of this model already done. Like I would say if you wanted the cloak to be this color, it could be done or his pants, it could be done yeah. or his forearm things, they could be done. It's like a really nice blend. It's like a, I don't know. It's like. It's good. It, it was a GW color, that tan. is like Carrick Stone, I think, was it? Yeah. It's um, nice, too, because the violet and the yellow contrast a yeah. little bit. It's good. I like it. Yeah, without reading strongly that it's either of those two colors. And yeah. that's something that I always struggle with. I would guess many goody PPs would be in a similar position here, is that when I think of opposite colors on the color wheel for being contrasting colors, you think of their true tones. You yeah. Th- you think of, like, true purple and true yellow. Yeah, for sure. For color wheels in general, or just, like, saying a color out loud, you always think of, like, the most intense version of that color. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned that in your video. Yeah. About green. It's like when you your brain, th- when you hear green, your brain thinks something, and you show a green on the screen, and I'm like, that's pretty close to the color of green that I think of. Yeah. Which is a color of green, like, you very rarely use in miniatures, because it's like so... like that, or... Yeah. Yeah. It's so vibrant that if you know unless it was the style you were going for yeah um which in many styles it would look great um but any kind of a real realism style of painting it's like you so rarely use a color that that's right. saturated so exactly one thing when you talked about the zenith though i think that i've been doing a little bit more um in would you want a little bit more dramatic which is a kind of the the feel i wanted to go for this mm-hmm. is instead of going around in a halo I pretend that the airbrush is is basically attached to an arm and the airbrush can't move it all around. It can only, from this central point, can only rotate its angle. Okay. So I found the spot directly where I wanted the, the most impact, which would be basically directly above his hood. And I, I went straight down from there and then I just rotated the model to have a slightly different angle from that central point. And that made sure that, you know, it... It, it gave me a consistency of where the highlight was going. Yeah. I just, and also in terms of like the smoothness of it, I just got fucking lucky. Like the, the, oh, yeah, I don't know the, the amount of medium that I, or the thinner that I put in to the GW paint, 
I was like, uh, it worked. It didn't get spitty. It didn't create a grain. Yeah. I didn't write it down good. what it was. Yeah, you can see like a little bit of grain if you like bust out your magnifying glass. Yeah. But like when I'm like holding it like right here, it's invisible. Um, it's, it's and great. it's so easy to get a grain over a long flat surface like yeah. that too over yeah. a cloak. So so I tried not to hit much of the cloak with it. I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to screw it up if I do that. So I might paint this today on stream. I also just brought a zombie in case I want to do zombie instead. Oh, just hit a little little magenta underneath. Nice. Yeah. So I think with this one, I'm going to try wash it first um i'm gonna try a thin down contrast okay over the all the lighter areas and so then it can go down to an interesting color underneath and yeah i can yeah. always build up a magenta underneath a little bit more and tr- i'm trying to find a, a speed paint system for knocking out the cursed city stuff so that's a good that. idea might try that today too. or an instant paint instant no use whatever you have i guess i don't have any instant paints right exactly so i can't do that Okay. All right. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> on to the reason you all tuned into this podcast, not because you like the preamble ramble, right? Nope. Nobody does. No one likes that. Uh, let's talk about... <laughs> Why are burps funny? <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's now, lean into that. Let's talk about resources outside of YouTube, the platform that you might be on right now, uh, for learning miniature painting. Uh, in the advent of YouTube... Specifically, miniature painting YouTube, we are kind of spoiled for choice now. There are many content creators that are in the 50K plus sub range, even higher, up 200,000 plus, uh, that are making great videos. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it really easy to stay inside the content bubble that is YouTube. But there's value to going outside of YouTube. Yeah, because if you just stick in there, you just, you know, all your tender bits are mixing with other tender bits. It gets. <laughs> It gets, you know, a little bit... Uh, tender. Yeah, it gets a little too tender in there. <laughs> you know what? A little that? too tenderized. Spent too long in the acid marinade. Okay. Not like the drug acid. I mean, like lime <laughs> juice. Oh, uh, right. A little could vinegar. Could you imagine putting uh, acid in a marinade for a meat, cooking it, and then eating it? What would happen? I don't know. That's not what this is about. <laughs> uh, I think a value of going outside of YouTube is you get to experience actual professionals in our field. Uh, I made a video about this, but not many people saw it, where uh, a lot of YouTubers, okay, it can can seem like John or or ML or Goobertown or people that make videos, it could seem like they are the authority on the subject. Um, And while we are all good painters, we all have interesting insights to add, an actual professional likely doesn't have time to make videos like to the quality that that we, we want to make them because they're too busy painting models. Mm-hmm. They're too busy becoming are becoming better and better constantly. Um, so, uh, so that's what you get access to when you kind of go outside of YouTube. Now, of course, there are times when the YouTube world and the pro world cross streams a little bit. I would say an example that would be like Christopher Icorn and Trevarian. Angel Haraldes. Angel Haraldes. Yeah, you, you, that, so that does happen sometimes. That's not how he actually says his own name. By um, way. It's not? He doesn't like scream it out? Yeah, well, yeah at the beginning of every video, it's, I am Angel Haraldes. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't do that. Um, he so, yeah. should, though. <laughs> Angel, if you're watching this, do that in your next video, please. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's talk about that. What are some resources outside of YouTube to find good stuff at? Um, when this topic, which was brought to us by... Courtney. Courtney LaCroix. La I don't. Does she say it like that? LaCroix. 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 
Yep, that's it. LaCroix. That's it. Courtney LaCroix. Thank you for this wonderful topic for us. And she's a patron, which is why she got to suggest a video topic. Oh, oh, what a segue. If you want to suggest topics (laughs) and also have us butcher your name live in a podcast episode, $5 is all you need to cough up. (laughs) Give it to me. No. Um, When I first read that this was our topic by wonderful Courtney, my brain went to when I first started painting. Um, oh, baby. Oh, yeah. These look familiar, bud. <laughs> Those are mine. Um, I started to think about like the things that I did when I first started painting because there were some hobby tutorials on YouTube, but they were few and far between. It was for me, it was painting Buddha, which at that point had already stopped producing content, but I attached to there was this there's this young lad also <laughs> that was setting his t-shirts on fire in his backyard oh shirt. shit i thought you're talking about uncle adam no no okay he was he was setting his t-shirts on fire in his backyard to try to figure out how to paint burnt cloth yeah. for his hex rates wow which yeah. i now own those hex rates yeah <laughs> what a concept what a look at full circle i know i feel like i should light more things on fire i know i think so too i think you should take metal and like Dissolve it in acid. We're we're back to acid. We're back to <laughs> and and then uh, stick it under a fan, and then it rusts. Yeah, like there you go. There you go. I mean, this is simple. I'm just throwing out content left and right. You here are. For you. You're a content machine. Um, but uh, I started thinking about what other things that I did back then to look at to improving. Yeah. Um, and we just talked about earlier this morning. We talked about massive voodoo. And back then, probably even way before when I, when I had started painting, it was there was a lot of blogs. It was more of a place to absorb and get information where folks would go through an idea or a technique or a philosophy behind something and show a handful of pictures and walk you through it with text. Um, there was no talking for you. This was like reading a book and not an audio book. Mm. Trent Trent threw down the gauntlet. Oh, he did. Video. He did. I heard him call you out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's not reading, but okay. Um, <laughs> um, so, so you absorb you absorb in a different way. Your brain processes in a different way. And in some ways, for some of us, we absorb less than the visual medium. And some of us, we absorb more, or we can go through and reread until we can wrap our brain around it. So I'd find myself um, reading Roman Lapat's wonderful articles on massive voodoo. And I just read, read the same paragraph three or four times over the course of a couple of days while I'm trying to attempt it. Um, and it would soak in a little bit more each way. Yeah. So finding those online written resources um, with visuals attached to them. And I know there are a bunch of Patreons out there that offer this as well. Um, buy some of those professionals, buy some of those award-winning painters that offer this with PDF breakdowns of their work. Um, so that's an alternative. Um, if you're looking to support folks, that's a great way to do it. If you love their art and want to learn how they do stuff, you can check if they have a Patreon. Um, or like uh, Banshee in the Miniature Art Academy, um, they have their own website where you can subscribe instead of outside of Patreon. I'm just giving all these people money. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, yeah, Patreon is a great resource. That That is an area where I would say the videos made for Patreon aren't necessarily the same kind of content as made for YouTube. For YouTube, we have kind of an angle of trying to entertain and educate at the same time. For, for, for most Patreons that I've uh, paid for and watched the videos of, they're they're just focused on education. They're not trying to make you 
stick around. They don't care about viewer retention because really that, that isn't important. At the end of the day, all that's important is that they're going to translate the information to you and you're going to consume it and hopefully understand it in some way. Um, so yeah, Patreon is great. That's it. Thanks for Until us. next time. <laughs> no. Uh, other websites that are fantastic. Massive Voodoo is great. Um, Reddit is fantastic. Uh, I, I kind of, I don't know, I want to say grew up, but I... I did a lot of reading and posting to uh, reddit.com slash r slash mini painting, uh, r slash warhammer, r slash terrain. Um, they're all great subs. And there's, there's, I know there's even more um, that you can check out. Uh, and they have great resources too. I know the people are always asking where to find models like display minis. And I have like a list that I have uh, cultivated. But on the R mini painting subreddit, they have this massive list of manufacturers that I always send people to. That's like a really awesome resource that they create. Yeah, that's good. So we're talking about in this, I guess we could put this in a, in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. What kind of nut is this? I'm stuck in a nutshell. <laughs> I don't know that. What's okay. that? Well, someone will tell you in the, in the, someone will tell me and simultaneously give me shit for not understanding. Uh, I'll give you another quote. Get in my belly. Okay. I've definitely heard that before, but I don't know where it's okay. from. So I can't keep saying quotes because you're just digging your own grave. Okay. No, but I have definitely heard that before. I just can't remember. It's a different character from the scene. The main character. It's not my bag, baby. Okay. Is this Austin Powers? Yes. Okay. 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 Oh, you got it. He got it. Yeah, I got he it. Okay. Got, I got it. He got it. it. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> so the nutshell that Austin Powers is trapped in right now is is around basically different areas where you're trying to find the same kind of, of information, right? You're trying to find something to absorb by a teacher in some form of a teacher, just like on YouTube, that you can see it done or ex see it explained and then try to replicate or learn from. Um, there's others in that as well, and that's why you have this big old book up here back in the advent of paper yes um when we we bought things these i bought way back in the mid-2000s i bought these at the source and these are cry havoc and they were books for <laughs> my intention was to learn miniature painting and i never actually did but i bought these simply for their painting walkthroughs in here and i'm not going to be able to find it now that we're recording Look at I still got the free bonus card in there for the game. Nice. But these had amazing like step by step painting walkthroughs of Oh, that classic blue to white fade background. Yeah. That's such a fucking like a old mood right there right. for mini painting. And I always remember struggling with the terminology and their their explanation in this of what they were actually doing cuz they just show you like the bef one step and they show you the next step. And the way they explained it, I was like, I don't understand. How often do they say volumes and lights? They say glaze a lot. And I didn't know what the hell a glaze was. Okay. Um, they say, I mean, now I probably, if I reread this, I just remember distinctly being so confused yeah. over the steps to do this. You were this not the target club. audience, apparently. No, I was I was too noob for <laughs> for this. Um, but these were these were an awesome resource, and they were kind of like an inspirational, like okay, they're not doing anything magical in the step by steps. I can see it's possible. Um, so this was kind of still out there. Like they still have them in like White Dwarf, don't? Do they still have painting I, step by steps? I gotta imagine they do. Yeah, I, I want to touch on something you said. 
you you mentioned how you would be looking for the same information in different areas. And I don't think it's safe to assume that the same information is going to be found in these books. Um, I, I There's definitely crossover, 100%. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people just have a unique take on something and it's really interesting to hear that. Um, so in the, in the world of books, I have quite a few here and I want to tell you what I look for when I get a book, but there is one that had a unique take on a subject that really kind of shaped the foundation of how I think about how to highlight a miniature. And that's Figopedia. A lot of people talk about this book a lot. So here's my review of this book. Like 90% of the information is stuff I've read before. Maybe it's a little bit of repeat information from inside the book as well. But there is some fucking nuggets in here that I'm not kidding really change the way I think about highlighting models. Um, mm. So there's two sections. There's color and light in this book. Um, and in the in the light section, uh, I believe it's... Uh, I don't know if it's right here or somewhere else. Oh, it's, it's here. Uh, they talk about zenithal lighting and general lighting. That really changed the way I, I think about zenithal lighting in a positive way. And I hadn't found any resources that discussed it in this way up until I read this book. So there are times when you are, uh, you are surprised about, uh, about what a book might, might have for you. Yeah, and, and you're probably five to ten things that really resonated with you in this book might be completely different to a different reader. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. And so... It's about balancing your time. In, it's always about balancing your time in learning and doing mm. and taking that learning time and trying a, a different medium to absorb to see what jumps out you or, or resonates with you there. Yeah. So you're obviously watching all of John and Scott's YouTube videos. But in addition to that, you're also <laughs> maybe reading a, a book here or watching or excuse me, or reading a massive voodoo blog or other great uh, blogs and stuff out there on the internet or yeah. whatever going through the warhammer stuff on white dwarf so diversifying where you find information can often um, find new things because those things just aren't currently located no one's done a youtube video on that or you just didn't know it existed or whatever yeah actually take that back vince has done a youtube video on that so <laughs> um I think another important thing about books is that we need to set our expectations correctly. Like when you watch a video, sometimes, but maybe not all the time, you don't think the video is going to like rattle you to the core or like solve the world's mysteries. Now on the flip side of the coin, when you spend money on a book, that's like 30 bucks, you might think, holy cow, this is going to really transform who I am as a painter. And it's not. You really need to kind of shape your expectations. I guess it might, depending on if you're like a super new painter, but I think if you're like in an intermediate level, you've been painting for like a year, two years, three years, there's going to be a lot of information in books that is repeat. And it's because books need to kind of, they don't know where you're at. They need to form a foundation of knowledge and then build on top of it. So when you buy a book, you're going to find, you know, five, six, seven nuggets of great info, but it's not going to, you know, be world shattering. And this book, Figopedia got so much hype from other painters mm. that when I bought it, I was like, this is going to be fucking amazing. Fuck a lady, bro. And while it's totally fine, uh, it, it wasn't all new info, but there was some great stuff in it. So Figopedia, great book. Check it out. Um, that that like reminds me of the new book that I bought, which is the new book by Kirill. Oh, yes. Which is like that a, a $3,000 book. Yeah, it was like $300. Oh, 
480 pages. And wow. And I thought at that price point, and now I'm still putting the book under my pillow every night so I learn it by osmosis, but I'm not all the way, I haven't absorbed it all yet, but hopefully in a week or two, it'll all suck into my brain hole. Yeah. Um, not your not your BH. Yeah, not my B hill. <laughs> totally different. It's a stinky book. Don't pick up that one. <laughs> it's not your BH, it's your other BH. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're there. Um, but the first 80 pages of that book, and I actually went through and got to the point where it got to like the meat and potatoes of the book. They're 80 pages into the book explaining all very simplistic, basic level, never touched a brush, never touched a man in your life kind of stuff. Yes. And I'm like, why the fuck are you doing this on a $300 book? And I still kind of ask that question because that book, no one's spending $300 if they've never picked up a mini before. But you, right. you need to set a level of expectation through your audience that later on when we're digging into heavier stuff, you have all you need in the, within this old book to go back and cross-reference. To go back and say, he mentions this and this here. Oh, but in like the first chapter... That's fully defined, and it's defined by the author. So if you say a word or a term within our hobby, it may be defined as 10 different things amongst 10 different people. So to reference it very early in a very basic level, I see the value. I probably would have done the same thing in my own book. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of agree with your original thought. Like, No beginner is going to buy a – you say $300? Yep. You spent that mo- that money on a book? Is it it? Holy shit. No beginner is going to buy that. No. Right? No. So why waste your time giving information to a person who is a beginner? Right? Just get into the good shit. I could see an audience that is an intermediate painter that hears a buzz around a book and they think because it's so expensive that that means it is the gold mine. Okay. And it's going to be the gateway for them to get out of you know just like i'm just still kind of spinning my wheels i've been painting for a while but i, I want to get a lot better okay this will be the thing so it might open their eyes to things that they they don't truly know yet or they they have a, a base level understanding and maybe this is getting them further but yeah there's stuff in there like um how you know like here's the tools that you use to clean a model okay but like here's how you hold the model here's a model holder here's your here's what a paintbrush is like there's a lot of stuff in there. I'm like, whoa. Did you read that all? I read that all that oh, man. stuff. Okay, I, I have a question for you. Um, are you the kind of person that when handed uh, a comprehensive piece of education or a comprehensive th- thing on a topic and you're kind of like somewhat familiar with the topic, like, you know, you've watched videos on it. Like, obviously, you're good at mention painting. Are you the kind of person that wants to read the whole thing to to understand what the author or creator of the content was going for with the entire course or will you skip around i no that's a that's a really good question um i get to the thing i i flip to the thing that at first glance or why i purchased or picked up the thing in the first place i really wanted out of it mm-hmm. i go to that first right and if if you wow me or it lives up or close to lives up to that then I'll start from the beginning. I'm like, okay, it got here. That means that the rest of the stuff, there's going to be other great stuff. In okay, it. okay. But this, I mean, the weird thing is when I say that first 80 pages, I read it because there's not a ton of text in there. It's mostly pictures and okay. you can skim through and, and just speed read that really pretty fast. But I was just, I wanted to get the understanding because I was so confused why it was all there and I was hoping that it would explain it to yeah. the text. 
And it did. And it was just kind of like, it. this is an all-in-one. Everything you'll ever need to know about mini painting in all its forms is in this one book. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's... What about you? Um, it depends how long the piece of content is, but generally I start from the beginning and just listen to things that I've already, I already know. Um, because, I don't know, I, in my head, I'm just like, maybe there'll be like a nugget somewhere that I just didn't think about and then i always want i don't want to miss those nugs okay yeah, i want yeah. the nugs you gotta have them spicy nugs <laughs> yeah um there are magazines from miniature painting going on we're still in the book category here of this education uh scale model handbook is one that's available at the hub hobby that i've uh picked a few copies up of nothing necessarily special uh just a lot of uh a lot of really cool dioramas with descriptions and how they were made um that's one model illustrated is another one that i believe is digital not physical there's a couple. Um, this is a RC's toolbox. So here's another example of a professional painter who made uh, a book that you can read his opinion on his look in miniature painting. RC's um, think before paint. <laughs> Thanks, Javi. There's no end there. Do you see an end? There's no end. <laughs> um, the toolbox book is like techniques, like you described. It's very basic. Um, but then the the gallery and articles are all like how I painted this specific model. So those are the breakdown. Cool. Um, we're kind of getting into other books that are all kind of similar, but I want to discuss why I like these books. The reason why I buy a book is just to get inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see all of these, this, these insane things um, that I don't know, sometimes a little bit older like we're kind of in a newer age of miniature painting. So you don't see crazy things like this insane fucking diorama where this guy makes a pizza oven. And, and <laughs> you see this? Isn't this so cool? Um, so there's all kinds of just interesting inspirational things in here. I'm not looking to be like super educated. Obviously, if I get educated along the way, I'm happy for it. But also just these people's ideas are super cool and interesting. And I want to see what, you know, how they think. So that, that's kind of my mental approach to... Uh, buying books so in that vein uh the rise of fantasy um by juan j barreña uh is really good i like it a lot this old school heavy metal book is great master class so john did a video where he painted a model with the colors on the back of a box and that's yeah. a fucking joke yeah. right and you know the youtube channel warmer tv like they don't paint how f metal paints but this fucking book actually describes how the box art team paints the minis. Um, so it was really cool insight into how pedantic their process is and what really formed a basis of knowledge for all of my heavy metal videos. It's all based on what I learned in this book. So that was cool. Very cool. And now this book. And now we're, we're transferring. And it's good that you talked about inspiration. Yes. Um, and this is where we start to look outside of miniature hobby in terms of education yeah. and absorption yes. and inspiration. And that brings us to Color and Light by James Gurney. This book, very similar to Figopedia, really shaped the way I think about color a lot. Um, so the Figopedia one was light. This one's color. It's funny that they're both called color and light. Um, but one thing that really stuck with me is his descriptions of color theory and how to manipulate color to your advantage. Uh, one thing that I'm remembering off the top of my head right now is when you put red inside a sea of green, the red actually leaps forward off the page at you. And I was like, whoa, that's a really interesting concept. And that's what got me thinking about how 
you can include colors that would otherwise be gaudy in a 50 50 capacity if you just shift it to like 90 10 mm-hmm. right i was like whoa so color the amount of color matters um so like a lot of a lot of that kind of thinking and that that process came from reading the first half i think it's the first half of this book about color yeah and and this is just a, a great example of us saying what we're doing is we're painting we're, well, the subject of our painting is tiny toy soldiers but we're still painting oh yeah this is a present from you it is it's got a little letter from johnny boy in there yeah i wrote that this is the last should we read it a lot of sexual innuendo oh it's so nice it's too nice yeah i i this, don't this will shatter the image the podcast has of you oh but the, it all it all leads up to the joke at the end though. okay scott you should be proud of how far you've come and the possibilities the future holds i'm honored to be associated with you parenthesis mostly don't fuck it up john <laughs> <laughs> yeah this book is great um wow and so we're just we're just painting at the end of the day we're painting our 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 canvas is a little bit different. Yeah. So when we're talking about areas to look for improving as a painter, we can also look outside of the miniature painting realm. It then becomes a little bit more abstract because um, it's not a one-to-one, here's how I painted this figure on an oil canvas. But the tools used and the approaches used in traditional medium um, will affect, will, or will translate to some regard to what we do. Mm-hmm. So how Da Vinci uh, paints the Mona Lisa in the way that he uses uh, color and the way that he uses volumes and the way that he uses light, there's something we can learn from that. Yeah. And so we have to apply it in a different way. And that's why we need to diversify our portfolios <laughs> um, and not just delve into only miniature painting education as our form, because to be honest, in these books and, and what you're hearing a lot of other areas, um, it may be a seven degrees from Kevin Bacon, but when you get to Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon was learning that from traditional art. And it may have been gone through a number of sieves to get to where, how it applies to miniature painting. But why don't you go right to Kevin Bacon? Your sometimes? metaphors are fucking on point. Yeah. Just go right to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what? I need to go straight to the bacon. You need to go straight to Kevin Bacon. Okay. Next. Wait, so an example of going straight to Kevin Bacon, would that be watching a miniature painting YouTube video or reading a miniature painting book? Is that going straight to Kevin Bacon? No, that would, it, going straight to Kevin Bacon is... Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I got it right here. I was doing research on this just recently, and so I still have the thing up. Um, it would be Googling... Um, Andres Zorn. Okay, the Zorn palette. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Andres Zorn was a Swedish artist from uh, born in 1860 and died in 1920, and <laughs> he developed his own limited palette, which he used for beautiful um, portrait painting. Zorn palette is coming into, uh, you know, you see people that paint in that style. Uh, Marcos Fazzoni has done a Zorn palette video. There's others that have tested it. I think by the time this is out, maybe Vince's Zorn palette video will have been out or it will be soon. Um, it's really cool. So why don't we go right to Kevin Bacon and read some really interesting 
articles on Andre Zorn and why he developed this, mm -hmm. what works with it. The actual, this one, that article that I have, has a, a full breakdown of the person making the, the palette of all the color combinations. Oh, let me see that tape pulled up, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this awesome uh, grid of, <sighs> of the entire Zorn palette. Um, and explains why colors were used, uh, how these colors work together, and how the mixing of these colors will allow such a wide variety, yet still pull the whole piece together. Um, and so that's that's my Kevin Bacon example. Okay, excellent. So you could watch No Just Mika do his Zorn video. Okay. And then you could go, go right to Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay, I get it. All right. I just get it now. Just now? Yeah. Okay. I know. I was running out of words to say on the subject, so I'm glad you got it. Last in the book world is not even educational content. It's just art books. Uh, this is Court of the sexy cover. This is Court of the Damned. Um, it's really cool. It's got a bunch of cool shit in it. But basically, it's a picture book for adults. Hey. There's one for... I have one for Doom. You have... I got some Castlevania ones. I got some Castlevania ones. Oh, yeah. That... I fucking want that now. Yeah. Um, it's just inspiration. It's all stuff that you can take, look at, and then apply to miniature painting. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's for that's it for books. There are some websites I want to talk about still. Fucking Putty and Paint, bro. Okay, you can talk about Putty and Paint. Wow. I think that. I what was that reaction? I think that's a monarchistic dinosaur that probably can die what happened to you <laughs> what do they do to you uh, no i i i've never posted anything on putty and paint i think it's loser a little uh it's a little bit um non-inclusive uh, i don't think it's a very i i would rather go to instagram but um but yeah no it, it's got some amazing pieces out there we got we're digging deeper yeah it used to be not inclusive but now anyone can make an account and post stuff on it. So what are you saying? Yep. Their algorithm to where people can actually find your stuff to oh. get enough votes and to enough votes to enough stars in an environment that is naturally fairly toxic where people will downvote your stuff because they don't want it to get exposure. Like their whole Whoa. system of how you can learn about other people is flawed and it's not inclusive for us being exposed to a bunch of other awesome painters. Okay. That's just my take. That's a hot take. Okay. Yeah. I don't necessarily care if I get like upvoted. I just go to see pretty models. Yeah. It's a great place for pretty models. Yeah. There's a bunch of pretty models on putty and paint. You can look at the editor's choice or like the top like rated ones for like whatever the last week was or whatever. That's a great place. Um, other websites. I see. I think a dinosaur that could die is Kulmini or not. I think oh yeah. I, don't, I mean, it's on life support. Let's just pull the fucking plug. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, other websites. Uh, Volamir .com. I love, love Volamir for a long time. When he used to be on Blogspot, he still makes content to this day. Probably the most popular thing that he makes um, are his Trial of the Warlords article series, where he talks about um, him and his buddies painting up a kill team or painting up a, a skirmish force for a certain game. And like they do like regular check-ins, maybe like once every month, and you get to see the progress. And certain people get kicked out like halfway through because they're not painting well enough. So it's like a challenge kind of fun thing. Oh, cool. Or also uh, the classic article series, like this is what you missed in the miniature painting world in the last week, two weeks. It's really cool painted models, really great sculpts people that you might know or might not know yeah because um, he seems to know a lot of people in the hobby that's, that's cool uh that's a 
a great point, and I totally didn't think about this, but that you know week on week of retrospective kind of a thing, yeah, getting me exposed to people I hadn't heard of before, amazing paint jobs and all that stuff, and, and breakdown of them. That's great. It's a great way to just not feel like I have to be tuned in or I have to know the right person or know the right place to learn about all these awesome you know paint jobs that have happened. Yeah. You can just check that every once in a while and you'll find some awesome stuff. And then you go over to Instagram and you follow them on Instagram and then whammo, you get to see their stuff right when it comes out. Whammo blammo. Yeah. You just take out the middleman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a great one. Uh, I do want to talk about Instagram because I think Instagram. I think Instagram has helped me a lot more than I would have expected it would. When you talk about inspiration, um, I'd say a, a, a large chunk of my like one-to-one I paint minis, this is a painted mini inspiration comes from Instagram because it has a very low barrier of entry to get exposed to some awesome stuff. And it just takes a little bit of time for you to start following, you know, finding something you like, follow them. And then it, it becomes a snowball of the recommended um, artists that are on there that show up for you once you've gotten a dozen or, or 20 or 30 that you follow. And then you go to the recommended stuff and you just find more. And so you're kind of cultivating your own little secret garden of the kinds of things that, that uh, excite you. And then I see this amazing paint job and that gets me excited to like, oh, wow, the way that, that they use this color there, or the way that this was so desaturated and it looks so cool. Like I just take a lot of inspiration from that site because they, they drop down all the barriers. It's just open the stupid thing and then I scroll and I just find awesome stuff. Yeah. Like it's just so easy to access to, um, you know, to find something that makes you, me want to sit and paint. Yeah. And I don't use it very often, but the explore page on Instagram is actually pretty useful. It is. Yeah. Um, you find a lot of new stuff. I, I found so many new painters on Instagram. Like I, I kind of pride myself in being aware of like a lot of professional painters, but like there are so many um, that don't have much of a presence on the internet that I can't know about. And I, I find a lot of them through Instagram, through that explore page. So that's pretty useful. Yeah. What else? There's tons. There's so much. Uh, Amber, I mean, Amber had an idea. She okay. was like, uh, your local game store will often host classes. And that's a place where you can get educated. Sometimes the classes cost money. Sometimes they don't cost money. So being plugged into your local community can open opportunities for you to educate yourself on image painting. Yeah, that's something we, that's kind of an obvious elephant in the room that we haven't talked about. And that is in person or virtual classes or coaching or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, when you are in school, they don't just like give you a history book and send you home and then assume (laughs) that you are going to learn everything you need to know about the history of man. Mm -hmm. Like you have a classroom time where an instructor walks you through things and answers your questions and goes over what they feel are most important. And you're tested on your retention of stuff. So an actual physical class can can do an awful lot for that. Mm-hmm. And it can be a virtual class. My, um, my take away from that is uh, the most important thing for, for me, and it can be different for other people, is, is to take that opportunity when you have either an in-person or virtual class to really ask all the questions you can and to me, one of the biggest things that I always like to either when I'm teaching or when I'm at a class is to have them over my shoulder or me over their shoulder while they're doing the physical application of paint. 
Yeah. Because there's a level of education that you cannot get through a video, through a book, no. through an audio book, whatever, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an actual tangible education moment. And so understand that I want to get out of this what I couldn't get if this was a recording that I watched later. Yeah. And that is one-on-one real-time feedback. That is when they're up in the front of the class showing you how they're painting a thing that you can watch the physical strokes at 18 inches away. Yeah. And there's so many things that are just inherent in the hobby, like how much paint you put on a brush, mm-hmm. like how, like, uh, I- I've been painting with beginners a lot lately, and it's so interesting to watch them do things that it's just like, like what are you doing? You're crazy. Right. Um, like, uh, they will paint and not rinse their brush or reform their tip for like five minutes straight. It's like, bro, I'm doing that every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So you see these things and it's like, stop it, do this. And then it solves the problem like immediately. Yep. They don't struggle with that for the rest of the, the you know, the next year or so. Um, so yeah, that in-person experience, you can see all those weird quirks and just like correct it or guide it like immediately. Yeah. And so if I'm watching a video, a step-by-step, like I'm watching Peachy do the, how to paint the, you know, vampire warband on Warhammer community, whatever. Um, there, There's all those things that either they don't show or they do show. Like we try to show these things over the course of time in, in our painting videos, um, but they don't necessarily stick with you from the watching it to understanding I'm doing it differently or wrong. I don't say wrong, but I'm, I'm not doing this thing that they're doing. That's why my model doesn't look like their model. Mm. And so... Oftentimes we're just, these are subconsciously happening or other or not happening for us in the value of somebody catching that and saying, whoa, 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 what are you doing there? Yeah. You should be doing this. What are you not doing this for? Well, I don't know. No one ever told me not to do that little minutiae step. Yeah. And if we did that in a YouTube video, it would not be a very fun YouTube video to watch because it would be such like pulling teeth and people would get bored and then they wouldn't watch it. And if they don't yeah. watch it, then what's the value of making the thing so. yeah you could you could make like a list of like gotchas and then put that in a video um that, that is a great a, idea though. that that is a great idea that that should be in a beginner video series which yeah. at some point i'll remake mine that's five years old i don't know when um but yeah uh some places that you can do classes me and john do classes uh we did a class i should say <laughs> And we, we plan to do three a year whenever uh, the world allows us to do that. Um, and maybe we can start thinking about that. I think we probably should. I thought about that this week, actually. I'm like, we could probably start planning for like a like late summer, early fall, can't we? Yeah. So we do some classes. You can be on the lookout for those. Um, uh, also, Caleb and Cat Studios, CNK Studios, uh, Sam Lenz. Um, Aaron Lovejoy, and all people involved in that Patreon call, Miniature Monthly. Oh, yes. uh, uh, they do classes as well. Elizabeth Beckley Bradford, Aaron, and the other guy, Contrast. Fuck, I can't remember his name. Um, they all do classes. Um, you can check them out, look at their schedules. Um, those there's, are great opportunities. And in, in Europe, there's most of oh, the amazing God. miniature painters do classes. You guys. You're tiny-ass countries. You have no idea how lucky you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, in terms of digital coursework, I have a digital course about painting the Duchess, my model of vampire. Uh, there's also websites like Miniature Mentor, which I'm not like the hugest fan of, but 
if you go in with the right expectations, it's amazing. And the right expectation is I'm going to watch a really good painter paint a model like start to finish with a medium level of description that is thought of on the fly while it's being painted. So that's what it is. And if that is sounds interesting to you, like go for it. I've bought two courses on that site. I don't necessarily regret it. Um, but just knowing what it is helps first. So we touched, um, we touched a lot of things. We touched so many B BHs. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So yeah, it was, I, I'm glad that we didn't go through this whole episode and forget to talk about in-person classes. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just kind of the state, Shout of, to Amber. state of the world. Thank you. State of the world right now, they're just not going on yeah. or have just started to be going on and, and hopefully we'll we'll be coming to your town soon. <laughs> so what else is there? Is that it? Have we discussed it all? What does it smell like? Dog's BH. <laughs> I don't know. No, it doesn't it just smells like dust. What does dust smell like? Smell it. Sounds like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was just I was just kind of like hoping and also dreading that your nose ring got stuck oh, in the foam. <laughs> that would not be nice. No. Uh, okay. What are we missing? What are we missing? You know, that's good enough. Okay. <laughs> I think we covered a lot of things. Yeah. I'll just, yeah. That was good. If you have more uh, ideas, please leave them in the comment section below. We'd love to see them. And also for anyone else visiting this podcast at a later date, they can go to the YouTube video. If you're listening to it on the audio, I got platform. one. You got one. I remembered a very important one. I was doing a really nice outro, and I just stepped on your touchdown call. Okay. Um, going to places, particularly discords, uh, for mini painting feedback sections. Mm. Uh, Scott and I both have our own mutually exclusive uh, discords through our Patreons. We have channels that are mini painting feedback. So like-minded goody peepees. Um, that are on there will help you out people in the communities and you tag us so we can give you our feedback on things so yeah. it's like here's the thing i'm doing let's get a in you know not real time but i'm halfway done with this what needs to be done i think i'm done with the cloak what would what am i missing here and and getting folks it's nice to get an actual reaction to a thing you've done and then implement that thing or look at it from a different perspective and think about that and so it's not just absorption it's options and opinions and then execution. And so that's going to make you a better miniature painter over time when you have an open dialogue about your work yeah. with other with other painters. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think that's different than going to a class because, yes, you kind of get a similar thing in real time from a teacher, but this allows you to do it more frequently, um, you know, with a variety of opinions. And it's it's like I spent... 10 hours on this model so far, what do you think? Because you can't really do that in a one-day class or a two-day class. Nope. So it allows that. So I remembered that thing. Uh, also, totally from a selfish point of view, it is amazing to watch people over the course of like a year uh, start out at a certain point and then grow to a totally different level based just on feedback and, and just continuing and, and effort and stuff like that. So really cool to see that. Yeah, I think we're talking about inspiration, motivation, and continue to, to put in the hours at your craft. That's a great way to do that because if I'm asking for support and I'm asking for feedback, it motivates me to want to 
oh, okay, okay, yeah. And then to keep working on that model, push it a little bit more than I would have because I think the cloak is done. But these folks said, well, what if you put a little bit of purple in that shadow? I would have never done that. But now that I did it, I'm like, I really like how that looks. And it makes me improve the tiny little, tiny little steps that mm. just watching and then doing may not do. Okay, okay, okay. All okay. right. Okay. okay, you can go. You can go on with your tying this little thing in a bow. All right. If you have any recommendations, put them in the comment section below. We can all learn from that. That'd be amazing. Uh, thank you to Courtney Lacroix. Croissant. Uh, thank you to the rec- Thank you for the recommendation for that episode topic. Okay, out of the news, we got some newsy news, and Scotty's gonna talk about asking for free money. Asking for free money. money. Nova Open is running a GoFundMe for their convention. Uh, I watched the video. Oh, that's sad. Uh, I watched. The- <laughs> video and the video is like you know it's like a hype video you get to see a bunch of cool things that happen at nova open and it's like supposed to excite you psych none of them are happening give us money uh <laughs> yeah the goal is two hundred thousand dollars what uh and it's currently at 7.4 million no dollars thousand oh 7.4 dollars oh man yeah no seven thousand four hundred ninety five dollars so they emailed me about this. I was like, absolutely, I'll talk about it in my podcast. Let's go. Um, and uh, I don't think this is going to get them their goal, chatting about it. But did you happen to read the GoFundMe as to what the $200,000 is for? Did they break it down? They did. I didn't read it. Maybe we should have read it. I didn't know that they broke it down. Oh, it's very long. <laughs> it's very I'm long. sure it's like administrative, <laughs> administrative stuff hundred thousand dollars yeah obviously when conventions get canceled that sucks right because they, they, they paid vendors they paid rental fees they had things prepared and that money just goes to waste because no one's going to buy it no one's going to experience it and also their revenue stream is gone right you know the, the part of a problem having the achilles heel of earning all your money in one spot is if something like this happens and just totally cuts off that stream you're fucked um so the, I, I haven't read why they need this amount of money, but I'm assuming it's that in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're a nonprofit organization. They are. Do you know how many on-staff employees they have? No, but I feel like it's a lot. Yeah. Be- I feel like it's like at least 10 to 15. Yeah. I see a lot of stuff from like their emails and things about calling for help with volunteers, and they rely incredibly heavily on volunteers for the actual Nova open himself itself. So this is just the thing. If you are a nonprofit, you need to be aware. This is not going to become as a big surprise that this event isn't happening. So what are you doing as someone that I worked at a nonprofit for a number of years? What are you doing to innovate to understand the, the the state of the union and to excite and to find ways to maybe not bring that same amount of money, but enough to keep your doors open. And so last year, all of us that were scheduled to go to Nova, um, they they said, you know, you've already paid your fee to your you know your entry fee to come. We can certainly send it back, but we are asking for you to keep that as a donation. And most people did, myself included, and that's great. So how do we find creative ways to fundraise, to build excitement, to keep involved in the miniature community? 
I'm I'm a little bit bummed that it's it's just the answer was just go fund me. I mean, maybe that maybe they spent a lot of time and effort and energy and and that's what they came up with and maybe that was the right answer. I don't know. I wasn't in those rooms. But when you have that many employees, that's their you know their income is totally coming from this event. Um, that's a lot of people and a lot of man hours to come up with creative stuff. You know, it's 40 hours a week if they're full time. Yeah, you could sell cookies at grocery stores. Yeah, outside the grocery store. With a Nova Open logo on it Mm -hmm. at a a very high rate. I wouldn't buy those cookies if they're hard cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Walked right into that one. I created that situation. And now we're talking about some kind of monster. Okay, that is not a good metallic song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the thing. If you want to support the Nova Open, and uh, I don't want Nova Open to go anywhere. I want them to keep the ship afloat. I want them to batten down the hatches. I want them to th- throw all the crates of oranges that are keeping us all from getting scurvy, and we want to throw them overboard because we got to keep this ship light so it can stay afloat. And Sell I know some cookies. <laughs> And I know they're doing that, and they need our support to do that. So, okay, are you going to back this? What's it Kickstarter? No, it's go. <laughs> no, it's GoFundMe. I'll give them. I'll give them. No, you won't. I I won't either. I probably won't do it either. Just because. Okay, this is lazy of me, but the video didn't really say anything. It was just like, here's a bunch of cool images. Now read this fucking excerpt from the bible that's super long about why we need this money it's like couldn't you have summarized that in the video for me so i know what i'm actually giving my money to um i don't know i got the answer to all their problems all they needed to do was bring me in as a consult and i would solve all their problems honestly that's that's the solution to a lot of things yeah is just get john in ask get, get that me. big brain on the ask problem me. here's what you do you here's remake what... that video okay and what you do is you use sarah mclaughlin's arms of the angel <laughs> as the song over the top and then you just show nerds like like assembling crying? Uh, crying as they're assembling models. And then you like fade to like the big open ballrooms of all the games going on. And then you switch come right back. Yeah. And see Scott's scared that he's never gonna be able to play a game again. Because <laughs> Nova will be gone forever. Yeah. And then you show the small child with a fly on his eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! $200,000 right there. That's John. That's John's innovative idea for you. I'm just saying. Leverage sadness. Uh, Emotional plea. I don't I don't go to Nova Open. I kind of want to backpedal a little bit because I sound like an asshole. I don't go to Nova Open like when when uh, Adepticon happened and they were like, hey, you can, you can keep the money that you spent uh, on our ticket or you can just give it to us even though the con isn't happening. I was like, just keep it keep it keep my money yeah so i paid for admission and gave it there that's where i go that's you know, i do that yep. all right talking about curse city let's talk about okay generally i'm pretty unsympathetic about the problems of the world when they don't affect me it's called apathy it's a problem yeah, you have a so problem i don't really know i got my curse city box i'm fucking gravy what's happening what's okay. tell me okay so this is uh by the time you listen to this, we might have had more information, or it might be such old news. But I want to, I want to spin a little tale. Ooh. So, Cursed City um, was marketed as an open product that was not limited edition. There is many documented places on the internet where Games Workshop said so. Are there? 
Now you're stepping on my touchdown call. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so everyone, you know, it's like, oh, you know, they've obviously been having manufacturing issues. They have since the start of COVID for a variety of reasons. And so there was always a worry that this was not going to be easily accessible. Everyone that wanted a copy wasn't necessarily going to get one right away. But because he said, you know, hold with us, you know, you'll get it, blah, blah, blah. You know, people weren't, you know, too up in arms. Still, everyone and their sister wanted to get one. A lot of people did. Some people didn't. Um, Then, shortly after it launched, in a subtweet... So there was a tweet by Warhammer Community, and then within that tweet, someone responded asking, "Is you know what is this limited edition? Is it coming back? When are you doing another run?" Warhammer Community's response to that was that there will be no, none more made. It was a limited edition, one run. Wow! And then it's like dissolving from the matrix, where all of the <laughs> locations where Games Workshop had said that this wasn't a limited run now ceased to exist on the internets. Until yeah. there was no evidence. Now, obviously, all of us already had screenshots and pictures and the Wayback Machine and all these things. It was not gone forever. So, why, Scott? That leads us to question, why would they do this to us? And I have my own theories. See, the, the problem is you need to have a fucking theory. Yeah. Whereas, if you're a GW employee and you're watching this, just tell us. <laughs> Like, okay, you made a mistake. Something happened. A problem happened that was out of your control or it wasn't your control and you decided against it. Just communicate the problem with your fucking audience so I don't got to listen to John <laughs> theorycraft while you're a shit company. Let me get my tinfoil hat on. Okay, you're not a shit company, but yeah, just... Okay, I will say GW has been shit at communication, but in the recent past, in the recent past being like the last three years, they've gotten a lot better. But, like, what is this trash? Yeah. And they did send out another note to all, like, the stores and stuff saying that it's not coming back. Wow. And they did say, we may at some point in the future offer some of the sprues in a different packaged product. Like, you got the... So something, something broke. Something happened. A mold was destroyed or some machine or something was wrong. Like, there's no way they, they do this consciously and just leave that much money on the table i know what the fuck yeah and then all the expansions that is the biggest killer right so my theory is that with around expansions are is they're going to repackage an expansion with like soul blight grave lord yeah box and then say also included free inside this box are rules to use it in in curse city yeah instead of it being a curse city expansion that just has the model rules yeah. That way they can get around that. Because um, you know they have they have people working on Cursed City expansions already. Yeah, I'm sure they probably have two or three already, 80 to 100% done. Yeah. So something something's amiss there. So something major happened. I assume out of their control, it got to a point where it's like, well, the you know the finance team said like what it would cost for us to do this all over again. It's just, it's just not worth it. But the reason why they're not communicating is because they are a publicly traded company. And if you're a publicly traded manufacturing company and you put out into the universe a public statement that you had manufacturing issues, what happens to their stock prices? Does it actually go down? Yeah, oh, yeah. This, this creates turmoil in the market around their ability to do what they are set up to do as a, an organization. And stockholders don't give a shit about 
expansion is a cursed city. Yeah. All they care about is bottom line dollars. So we're not we're not going to hear anything from them. They yeah. haven't said anything yet. They're not going to say anything. All right, fine. Because the the people that don't give a shit about the products in the games are the people that they're appealing to, not to us as the consumers. Which, ironically enough, if they lose us, what's going to happen to their stock prices? Yeah, it's a they're in a tough push pull thing going on. They're in a tough spot here, but I think in general, the more open you are with your customer base, the more loyal they they become, and the less you need to worry about the share the shareholder meetings. Yeah, I don't have any stats on the legitimacy of that. Like, I don't know how important it is. Like, it's probably like a midpoint. That's a good place to be but yeah i don't know okay i have more sympathy now yeah i mean they're in a tough spot but also they've put themselves in this an archaic means of the way that they deal with marketing the way way that they deal with public relations the way that they deal with content creators (laughs) yeah i mean it they they go about things like it's 1988 like it's just i don't know it is what it is so i'll quit talking about chris city other people have talked about chris city uh by the time this comes out, hopefully we'll be beyond this, but Games Workshop has also halted all new releases. You think this is related? I think there's probably, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this has been an issue since the beginning of COVID, that they've been so behind schedule and they've only continued to get further and further behind mm-hmm. um, that they need to just like hit the soft reset, get all their ducks in a row so they can go back to a well-oiled machine. I don't think this is going to fix all their problems. They would have done it before now to stop new releases for three weeks. Mm -hmm. But I think they're just trying to get caught up because everything else, because they can only manufacture so much, everything else is just continuing to stockpile behind them that they can't fulfill. So I think they're just trying to get where they can get that queue down as much as possible before they start getting over again to producing new stuff. So Okay. So we'll see there. Uh, is that everything for the newsy news today? I don't know. Oh, we have one here on the Monster oh, Hunter one Kickstarter. cheeky item left. The Monster Hunter Kickstarter. Big game. I, I've owned and I, I have and play this game. Wow. I own this game and I have played it. I don't play it actively now. It wasn't my cup of tea, but it is a lot of people's cup of tea. And if you're one of those people who likes to drink Monster Tea, uh, <laughs> there is now a board game that is currently being kickstarted or was kickstarted. I don't know what the current status is and when you're watching this. By but, the time it comes out, it will probably have just ended, but you should be able to still get late backer pledge. Yeah. So um, mini monsters and little hunters. Uh, it's cool. It's made by Steamforged, who have who have done me dirty in the past. But Why? Why have they done you dirty? Because they killed my favorite game. They killed your favorite game. But they've also done Dead Souls, uh, which is another video game thing. Dark Souls. Oh, God. Dead Souls is a Nikolai Goggle book. Uh, Russian realist author. Ooh. Dark Souls. Um, Sorry. Uh, So, yeah. Their plastics are pretty reasonable. I think Dark Souls was a little bit lackluster, but what they were able to achieve in the end with Guild Ball was pretty impressive. So I imagine these models are going to be kind of like Kumani or not levels of detail and quality. I have held, and I've not painted, but I've held within my little grubbly claws 
Um, their <laughs> Steamforge games, one of their new initiatives, which has been very profitable for them. I can't remember what the name of the product is. Resident Evil? No, it's it's for Dungeons and Dragons. It's like du- I... it's like Dungeon in a Box, and it comes with like a big red dragon, a whole bunch of different kobolds, including like a shaman and a little leader, and then whatever. And then it has maps in there, and it's got the fifth edition rules for all the minis included, and a basic adventure breakdown. So it's everything in a box, and it's pretty. They're pretty uh, modestly priced. I have held many of those and took a look at them from a miniature painting perspective, and they are very similar in quality. I would say maybe even a little bit better than the last Guild Ball plastics. Um, really nice. A real hard plastic too. No bendy sword syndrome on these. Okay. So if they, I assume they're going to be using the same process for the Monster Hunter game. Um, I have held and actually have painted a couple of the Demon Souls models or Dark Souls. God, you got me screwing it up now too. Sorry. In my events, Demon Souls was the first game in the Dark Souls series. So, <laughs> which I imported from Korea when it first came out. Okay. Yeah, because that's me. Look at that. <laughs> Video game pleb over there. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, uh, I also own like six different monster iterations of the Monster Hunter series. I freaking love that game. It is a time sink. But the what? rules of You the like game. that game this much? I love Monster Hunter. Before the podcast, you seemed like you had a passing interest in the franchise. Oh, I really, I really dig it. Do you play Monster Hunter World? Yes. Oh. Yeah. And I played the one on Wii is the one I have most hours in. I played that all the time. I played that like six hours a day for like a year. Wow. Yeah. I love that game. Um, I love loot farming, crafting games, and this is one. And it actually has like the combat system is skill based. Like, I love that. Mm. I love some skill in my loot farming um <laughs> so yeah i think the qualities of the recent stuff is better than the dark souls plastics okay notably so okay cool. i'm looking forward to it they're over, th- over three million dollars at this point when we're recording this. jeez it's a monster game and i'm really on the it's fence a monster game see what i did uh i'm on the fence i might back it i don't know i feel like if you're that into the franchise i get a couple miles make video about it talk about how you like this game so much yeah i mean you get the crossover video game crowd yeah dude that work for you uh i don't know i mean i I don't know i don't know how analytics work well no i say you did a character from a video game you painted a character from a video game did it work uh the video currently has over a hundred thousand views there you go kind of i'll take a hundred thousand all day every day every day please please watch my videos <laughs> um, i would say yeah I, maybe don't go whole hog don't don't massive darkness this kickstarter you know what i'm saying oh no that's not how i'd roll <laughs> wait what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do the all-in don't, backing no, for like don't 400 do, bucks no get a box of four dudes paint one of the dudes and then sell though. the other three like the base level you can get is the core game which is like four dudes and three monsters but that's already get like that get that that's like a hundred bucks i'm not gonna want to play it because i'm like i don't have all the cool stuff Okay. See what I did? This is a this is a you problem. Yeah, this is a me problem. This is not a model problem. <laughs> this is a John issue about needing all the things if I have a thing. Okay, you're yeah, collector syndrome. Yeah, I do have a little bit of that. Okay. A little FOMO of if you don't get it in the Kickstarter, are they ever gonna remake it? Mm, or no? Okay, okay, okay. Let's quit talking about Monster Hunter. That is all the news. I keep having this nagging cough. Get it out of there. You mean to you do you want me to burp you? Yeah, please. I'm not gonna burp you. All right, welcome to the end of the podcast. This I <laughs> really need to pee. I do as well. We can play swords. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this is going to be short. 
Goodbye. <laughs> Just kidding. It's going to be short. Speaking of Scott's wiener, how can wow. they support the podcast? How can they support the a podcast? Dick joke. Ah, we couldn't, we, I could not do it. You can give us money on Patreon. <laughs> you should do that because we're great. Uh, I mean, I think we are. Okay. Uh, getting access to our Patreon, which is free. You just click on the link. Uh, for five bucks, you get access to the extended episode, which gets you uh, us talking about favorite minis from other painters this week. Uh, or just two last weeks is Fortnite. You also get access to us talking about new things we've tried and experimented with. And finally, we'll also give feedback to one of our patrons. So as being a $5 patron, you can give us your models to give feedback on. Yes. You also can give us uh, recommendations for topics like today's topic. I'm just peeing my brain that right could, now. Yeah. Your eyes are yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like Courtney did today. So thank you, Courtney, for being a patron and for bringing us a great idea. You can also submit your minis that you already said that they can submit their minis for we don't feedback. Do this. We don't do this very often. No. I don't throw it to John ever. No, because I'm just trying to speed this up so you can pee. So just go. Yeah. Yeah. You can also. Uh, uh, I got merch. And a shirt. Merch. Shirt. Buy shirt. Merch. You can buy the shirt. Ratings on uh, po- podcast platforms. Apple Podcast, Spotify. Uh, Stitcher butt. Stitcher butt. Uh, Stitcher butt. <laughs> go BH. To, go to the BH. Not BH. You don't buy anything from them, though. That's it. Yeah, you could. I mean, if you want, I mean, you could go to B&H and leave a review. Hey, no, leave stop a re- talking about this. Leave a review. And until <laughs> next time, I have to pee. We'll catch you on the... Flippity-flop.